Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome into Lounge, presented by DraftKings. We heard from head coach John Harbaugh and general manager Eric DaCosta today at the NFL Scouting Combine. And Garrett and I are going to break it all down for you, give you the condensed version, what you need to know from their Combine press conferences. Garrett is currently in Indianapolis getting ready for that St. Elmo's dinner. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to make this quick. All right, make it quick. <laughs> we got we got a shrimp cocktail to get to, a nice steak. So, you know, that's the priority list here. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking about the priority list, uh, Justin Matabike, <laughs> let's kick it off right there. And uh, the Ravens have a week to get a new deal done with him. And they made it clear that they are trying to get that deal done. Eric DaCosta said so himself. And also said that if it does not happen by next Tuesday, then they will probably put the franchise tag on Justin Matabike. So, Garrett, what was kind of your takeaway about with what they said about Matabike's? Yeah, I don't think it was a surprise, but I thought it did bring some clarity to the situation in that, A, the priority is the long-term deal. Of course, that's the assumption, but they're working actively towards getting a long-term deal done. But the main takeaway for me, at Justin Matabike is going to be in purple and black next year. The Ravens plan on him playing for this team next year one way or another. Long-term deal, franchise tag. They do not want him playing elsewhere. They don't want him hitting the open market, knowing that he certainly could get a big payday on the open market. They want to keep him in Baltimore. They view him as a, a core piece of this team, as of this defense. So I think that you know, Ravens fans should feel pretty good about that. I mean, I think that he's – Justin Matabike is one of the best free agents on the market this year, if he were to hit the market. and Just Ravens, remove him from the list right now. All those yeah, just take, take him off the list. Cross him out. You basically have a, a player that's got an incredibly rare skill set, and you can make him a cornerstone piece of this defense for the foreseeable future. You know, and I think that that's the way the Ravens probably view it. I think that this was f- – not finalizing, but – Hearing it from the horse's mouth, what we've all been talking about all along, and and really a lot of the conversation was Justin Matabike or Patrick Queen, or which of those two guys are the priority, which could get the, the franchise tag, and it was pretty clear that that guy's Justin Matabike. That's no shade on Patrick Queen. He wasn't asked about in either press conference, and he wasn't talked about in either press conference. I think the, the assumption is Patrick Queen probably lands elsewhere, gets a big payday. Credit to him. Kudos to him. He's been awesome as a Raven. But that's the direction this is heading, and, and certainly to hear it from Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh, that made it very clear what their intentions are with Justin Matabike. Yeah, I think the, the way that you... If, there, if there's any sliver of hope of, of maintaining both Justin Matabike and Patrick Queen, the way that would have to happen is you have to get the long-term deal done 
for first. I guess you could get, get it done with Queen, but basically get the long-term deal done with Matabike. Then you could still have the tag there to use on Patrick oh, Queen, but that's really difficult that, from a salary cap uh, standpoint. I think sliver is the right word there. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, like, you know, the Ravens – you know, I was talking to John Harbaugh today uh, after his podium session and Eric's podium session, and he basically was like, "You start with the the as a coach that you want everybody back, also also knowing the reality that you can't have everybody back." And so the Ravens got a bunch of like, you know, in recent in, compared to recent memory, this is the most I think talented group of overall free agents that the Ravens have had in in quite some time, and so it's hard to keep all those guys. And Patrick Queen, you know, maybe being at the top of that list if you're removing Matabike from the conversation. So, look, we, you and I have both said many times, like, I would love to find their, find a way to keep Queen. I just would love it. I think that him and Roquan Smith next to each other are are such huge pieces of this defense. I think it would be awesome if you can find a way to make it happen. But I just don't know if the dollars and cents of it will ultimately end up working out. And, you know, I think the, the recognition that you're going to use the tag for Matabike if there's no long-term deal done, again, that removes, you know, Queen from, from the franchise tag equation unless you work out the long-term deal with Matabike over the course of the next week. Of course, Eric DaCosta did say probably, probably would use yeah. the tag. But I don't really envision a scenario or see what factors would change that. From the outside, the only the only factor really is whether they can clear enough salary cap space to make it happen. So if they ran into a big snafu with that and just really when it came down to push comes to shove, didn't want to cut enough guys or couldn't restructure enough contracts to get that twenty two point one million dollars underneath the cap, that would be the only scenario, I guess, in which it wouldn't happen. But I again, I think sliver is the right word. I think it gets if a deal doesn't happen he will get the tag. Yeah. The other piece as we, you know, continue with with the takeaways here, you know, I, I go to the offensive line. I mean, I really put that kind of to me Matt BK maybe one and this may be one A. I mean, I think that like the offensive line rebuild is a very real thing. And we've kind of already seen the, the initial stages of that, which was that they didn't re-sign Kevin Zeitler before the void year went into effect. And so there's dead money for him on the cap for this year, which was kind of the the, the soft deadline to getting a deal done with him. Um, and so now you have your two guards who are both free agents and you have questions at the tackle position. And the Ravens, to me, in hearing from Harbaugh and DaCosta today, both made it clear that they view basically a rebuild yeah. of the offensive well, that, line. That was the word that they used. And when you when you use the word rebuild, it's like, oh, it gets your attention, right? Like, I think the question is, how big are we talking? What what is a rebuild? Are we talking about new appliances, new new hardware in the kitchen? Are we talking about <laughs> new doors on the cabinets? You know, you don't take the cabinets down, but you put new doors on the front. Are we are we gutting this thing? Are uh-huh. we taking it all out and we're starting over? That's the question. How do they define what a rebuild is? Because I could see it at the end of the day, they say they let's just say they don't cut either tackle or they they only cut one tackle, right? Well, we you still have two new starting guards. That's a that's a rebuild, right? Um, so the question is really, I, I think that both guard spots are going to be new starters is certainly the way that it looks as of now with John Simpson and Zeitler being free agents. I would, ex- and then the question is, is it, do you move on from one tackle spot or do you move on from both or none? 
but from the word rebuild, I'm expecting that at least one offensive tackle spot is going to be and have a new starter next year. That's how it sounds yeah. to me. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I also think that you could you could wait and see. You know, I think that there could you see who you get in free agency, you see who you get in the draft, and then you make that decision. You know, just just for comparison's sake, you go back to when the Ravens drafted Ronnie Stanley. They drafted him in 2016, and then after they drafted him, they released Eugene Monroe, um, who was a left tackle at that time. They didn't release him prior to drafting Stanley. That happened after the fact. So, you know, I think that you could see how the draft plays out. Certainly, the salary cap maneuver. I think the salary cap maneuvering is is the kind of the bigger piece of the equation because there's an immediacy there. You know, Ronnie Stanley's got a big number, of course. You know, he's got a huge contract, and so that that impacts what you're able to do from a salary cap standpoint going into free agency. You know, I in talking with Harbaugh, you know, in the interview that I did with him after. Uh, his his podium session, he made the point that they've gone through this rebuild process a few times, and they basically started talking about this almost right after the AFC Championship game, and, and looking to the future and talking about the rebuild of the offensive line that this this team has gone through multiple times since he's been the head coach, and he views this as the latest one. You know, this is basically the fourth rebuild of the line that he's that he's seen during his time. And so, yeah, I think there's going to be some significant changes. I do think they have some in-house options. You know, Daniel Fa'alele, for example, could be a, a starting right tackle. Ben Cleveland could be a starting guard. Um, Andrew Voorhees, who the Ravens drafted in the seventh round last year, spent the year getting healthy. He could be a starting guard. I spoke with so, him today, by the way. What, what did he have to say? Well, it's the anniversary of his combine injury, and, and he's feeling healthy, and he's excited about the future. So stay tuned, lounge listeners, for the story about Andrew Voorhees. And nice. There you Sa- go. Sala, another guy on, Sala, the, on yeah. the list. So, exactly. So they have some young internal options there. Um, but I, I look there. But you, you, even even with those guys, the the fo- the, the point here is, if they're going to go through a rebuild, they're going to have to invest some resources as well. You're not just yeah. going to go in with these young guys and say, "Yep, these are our new starters." Like we're talking round one, round two pick on offensive line. Maybe I mean free agency is tough to say. It would have to be a cheaper veteran, but maybe somebody down the line, right? Like you're looking at probably multiple picks in the draft. Eric DaCosta said specifically that the depth at tackle and guard is really good. So I think you're looking at multiple picks and potentially a free agent addition as well. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of new faces in that offensive line room this yep. year yep. and probably a good number of new starters. Just, just, break, I don't know. just break, just breaking it down real quick. Morgan Moses, the Ravens would save five and a half million dollars if they moved on from him. Now that savings would be good up front because it, you could do that whenever and now you get that savings if you have to tag Matabike. That can happen before free agency, right? And and to kind of clear the cat space that they need to clear now to either tag Matabike, get a deal done with him, and have some play money to use in free agency. You have to clear space now for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, Ronnie Stanley is a question after June 1. After June 1, they can release him. You clear $15 million. Now, you also have a pretty sizable $11 million dead cap hit. If you do that, so it's not ideal, but you do, you can clear up fifteen million dollars in space, but that comes in Jude one. Now, it, that money doesn't go towards Matabike, but let's just say Clowney sits out there for a long time. Let's say the running back back market is cold. Let's say whatever those later summer additions are, and whatever money you want to go into the season with in your back pocket, that's what that 
release would clear up money for. And to your point earlier, you could do that after you see, do we draft a left tackle in the first round that we feel comfortable is going to be that plug and play guy? Or do we not? Or do we draft a guy who we're going to start at guard and then move to tackle next year when we really turn the page completely? Those are, I think, all the questions in play right now. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of factors and you're you're kind of juggling all of it. There's the financial piece. There's just the roster composition piece. You want to you want to maintain both your your starters and your depth. So you don't want to take a position that you're looking to rebuild and, and put yourself even in a greater hole by you know removing potential starters. That's you know? the thing. You you got to make it better, right? It's not when you rebuild. It's not like you're. It's not like they're saying we're going to reset and eh, we're not going to have a good off. They're looking at this like they looked at the wide receiver room last year. We're going to rebuild it and it better be better because we think that's a, a key part for this offense to to reach the next level. So it, it like you're saying, you, you don't want to cut your knees out to save your face and say we're rebuilding it, but eh, we, we, we're getting worse, right? It's, it's hard and it's expensive on the free agent market to replace some of these pieces as well. Can I just say that was that was probably the, the most... You know, th- that was maybe the biggest phrase screw up that I've ever heard. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of uh, possibilities. That, that might have been number one. Give it to cut me. What did knees, I say? Cut your knees off to, <laughs> to save, save your, your face. face. You want? I think the phrase you're looking for is you cut your nose off to spite your face, or, uh, or cut, cut your, your knees, knees out. out. Cut your knees out from under you. But. <laughs> You don't want to cut your knees off to spite your face. I mean, so. that would be bad too. <laughs> that is also not good. <laughs> I, I I just I don't even know what you said after that. I was just so hung up. I was like, did did he say what, what did he mean? Okay, um, it's a minkism. I cannot yeah. get the sayings right. <laughs> that was good. Well done. Thanks. Well done. Appreciate well, it. Another position, you know, as we keep rolling, like another position that I think is going to go through some some pretty big changes: running back, and. The Ravens did say, you know, that there's potential for Gus Edwards to come back, maybe even J.K. Dobbins. You know, he's out there. Both Harbaugh and DaCosta said, you know, maybe there's a chance those guys do return. Gus Edwards was another guy who had void years in his contract. The Ravens didn't resign him before that void year, you know, deadline. So they would kind of pay for him twice if they were to resign him. I think they really like Gus Edwards. He's been a really good player for them. But I also think that they want to add, you know, they want to add somebody who is really dynamic to this backfield. And so you know, there's, there's big name running backs who are going to be on the free agent market this year. And it'll be interesting to see if the Ravens are in the sweepstakes there. Derek Henry, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs. It's like, are the Ravens going to be in the mix on, on, on any of those guys? I think a lot of it depends on the price, but based on the depressed running back market in recent years, you'll wonder if you could get a a bargain there. Right. I, I do think that the Ravens spoke more strongly than I would have expected about the possibility of bringing back Gus Edwards. John Harbaugh said he would love to have him back. Eric Costa said he's already been in contacts uh, with Gus about coming back. And they said they hope to get deals done with one or whatever with those guys. Right. What I, what I kind of read between the lines there is I think this running back market is not going to fly off the board. It's going to be sitting around for a while because nobody's going to want to sign one of these guys and set what the market is. That's just how it works at running back. So you got some big names out there, but I don't know. I don't think that on the first day of free agency, we're just going to see these guys popping off and, you know, whatever. Josh Jacobs goes here. Maybe Saquon to somebody early, but I think Derrick Henry might sit out there for a little bit. You know, it's going to be a cool market. And I think that 
if the Ravens don't end up bringing bring in one of those big t- big name free agents, and let's say they don't draft a running back early in the second or third round or whatnot, then yeah, I think that they could bring back Gus and or JK if they're still available. Like there's interest there. They respect those guys. They're good players. But I do think that the Ravens the buzz about the Ravens wanting to kind of upgrade their running back room with one of these premier guys. I think that there's legitimacy to that, just like the offensive line. I think they want to get better in that room. And uh, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Honestly, like in some ways it, it just like, it's fundamental football. Like, and Eric talked about, like I would go back to when we interviewed Harbaugh and we, he came in here in 2008, like core, philosophy from a football team like you want to win in the trenches you want to have a strong ground game like yes the Ravens have made some great improvements and I think they took their passing game to another level this year but I do think that like they still want to have a really effective ground game and look they did they did have a great ground game but I think that you want to have a back like you want to have a home run threat back Keaton Mitchell showed that ability last year before the injury still have high hopes for him coming back from the injuries, but he's coming back from a significant knee injury. So like at what point is he going to be hundred percent ready to go? That's a question mark. We've seen that with these other running backs coming back from major knee injuries. Um, and so I think that if they can get a, if they can get, you know, a premier back in free agency for the right price, I think they would do it. I also think that they'll be on the lookout in the draft. I, I found it interesting that DaCosta made the point is he telling the truth or is he th- trying to throw people off the scent? Basically like, yeah, you know, running back basically is not that deep. You know, there's some, there's some decent guys as, as UFAs that we could target. Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I was like, is he just telling the truth or does he think that like, maybe we'll just go the UDFA route? Yeah, no, I, I think that there, what is deep? Does that mean there's not guys available on day three? Or does that mean there's not a large clump of guys near the top? Because by pretty much every draft analyst's uh, list right now, there's no running backs in the top 50. There, There's not a first round running back. There may not even be a second round running back. So, uh, you know, I think it's, you're looking at third round guys primarily. Uh, maybe it's late second, third round guys. And so... I think the Ravens could potentially make a pick out of that group, but that is not going to, they're not going to just sit out free agency in my opinion and say, you know what? We'll find our running back in the draft. No, I think that until Keaton Mitchell is back fully healthy, I think they want to find a short term deal with a stud running back who they feel like can take this ground game to another level. Because the fact of the matter is yes, the Ravens led the league in rushing. So, you know, you know, look, the, the, the principles are there. They, they were able to run the ball. But a large part of that is because of the guy under center, Lamar Jackson, who still led the team in rushing yards. Gus Edwards, you know, his yards per carry were a career low this past year. They did not, I don't think, have the confidence in the run game. The schemed running back run game late in the season, I don't think they had a ton of confidence in its consistency. And I think we saw that some late in the year, including in the AFC championship too much was put on Lamar's legs. Uh, and that goes back to the offensive line too. You know, the offensive line, I think he was under pressure too much, had to pull a rabbit out of his hat, duck pressure, you know, some of the 
biggest and best plays of the year where Lamar making incredible throws off platform, one leg, getting hit, getting under a sack and getting loose and throwing the ball, right? Which was cool. It was fun to watch, but I'd rather not, right? And so the fact of the matter is they want to build an offensive line and a run game with the running backs that complements Lamar Jackson better, takes it off his shoulders as much, lets him really flourish, gives him more time to throw, doesn't require him to be the primary top runner on the team. And and what if you do that, then yes, I believe that this offense can hit another stride. And it was already pretty darn good, fourth in points in the league. Yeah, just on the offense, I think that's another that is a, another big takeaway. I really do believe that Harbaugh and the Ravens think that this offense is going to take major strides this year. Like the fact that he talked about the offense this year b- taking baby steps. I thought was that that said something and and honestly it is crazy being here in Indianapolis like I go back to a year ago and all of the conversation around the team we were doing this podcast after the Harbaugh the Costa presser was Lamar Jackson Lamar 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 is he going to be back are you getting contract signed like that's all anybody was talking about that was one of the biggest stories around the NFL at this time and so they obviously got that deal done but you know they changed offensive coordinators they were kind of learning the offense on the fly a little bit um, because that deal of course you know that got done right around the draft and so there was it was a learning curve and so now with like the second year of in the system I think that like that will help take this this unit to another level like it's crazy to me but I guess it makes sense like the day after the AFC championship loss Harbaugh had the offensive coaches in meetings saying like Let's talk about how we're going to evolve this thing. What do you like? What do you not like? What's going well? How can we take this offense to another level? Like while this is fresh, while like the the pain of yesterday is fresh, <laughs> we need to talk about this thing. And he was <laughs> working sure, on I'm, that. I'm sure. I'm sure that the first question was what happened yesterday. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> that was I'm, probably the first question, and then yeah, that yeah. that leads to like some really good productive conversations about like, all right, like how do we evolve this thing? That's how the NFL works. You got to stay a step ahead, and the Ravens have consistently done that well. Like they built this you know, revolutionary offense under Greg Roman and it worked for a while and it took the league by storm and then whatever, there was time to change and they did that. And, and Todd Munkin's the first year of his offense was successful. And now you got to keep it fresh. You got to keep it fresh. You got to do that on defense too. And so I think that, uh, they're, have, they're deep into that. They've already really, now they have the coaching staff together. I think they've figured a lot of that stuff out by now. Yeah, yeah. So I think that the, the, the year two under Todd Munkin, Lamar Jackson already won the MVP in year one, and I thought this offense made made some big steps, like you said, fourth in the league in points. But I, I think that year two, they expect, the Ravens expect it to be even better. Better offense, better offensive line, maybe add a home run threat at running back, maintain the success in the passing game. Yeah, I don't, know, offense, I, don't, I don't know that home run threat is really the right term. You've said that now twice. I'm going to step in on that. I don't know that home run th- – of course you want a home run threat, but I, I just think it's more consistency. You know, instead, like, you're able to count more on a six, seven-yard run more often than, than getting stuffed at the line. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I, I think that, but I, you know, just using Derrick Henry because a lot of people have asked about him, I, I would classify Derrick Henry as a home run threat. Well, sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think. <laughs> I mean, I kind of think of Keaton Mitchell, but yeah, Derrick Henry's taken a lot of ninety yarders in his day. Yeah, I mean, um, the Ravens have seen that. The guy, the guy has uh, thirty five touchdowns in the past three years. Yeah, I mean, so, he's he's very good. I, I I just would I would phrase it as like you, you want a top tier running back. 
you know, yeah. the, they drafted that in J.K. Dobbins, and I think he would have been that if it weren't for the injuries during his Ravens tenure, and maybe he still will be in his career. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. I like J.K., I but that's what they envisioned with him, and it just didn't pan out because of injuries. I don't think it's – I don't want to confuse home run threat as just a speed threat. I don't think right. it's just like a speed threat. I think it's basically a guy that you can give him the ball, he can make somebody miss, and he can take it 75 yards to the house. Sure. That's what. That's the ideal scenario that sure. they want in, in one of these running backs. Yeah. Just talking about the direction of the offense, wide receiver also was a topic that they spoke about. Did not rule out the possibility of Odell Beckham Jr. returning. Eric Costa said he's texted him. Uh, still in contact. John Harbaugh said he's keeping his fingers crossed on that one. But again, I think that's a situation where it's kind of, it'll play out. I don't know that OBJ is going to sign immediately when free agency opens. And really reading between the lines, John Harbaugh also said Rashad Bateman's going to get the ball a whole lot more. So those would primarily be the targets, I think, that went to OBJ last year. And Eric DaCosta said that the draft is really strong at wide receiver again. So I would expect them to make... A another pick certainly at wide receiver, and it wouldn't surprise me if it's in the first two days. So that's and they already re-signed Nelson Aguilar. Uh, so I think that that's more the direction I see them going at wide receiver is draft, and and maybe maybe down the line if OBJ you know hasn't been signed and he's sitting out there and the Ravens feel like they still have a need and uh, you know the price is is right then maybe that they're not ruling it out. But I, I think that's the direction I see the Ravens going at wide receiver. Yeah, I would agree. And I also think that, you know, Odell talked after the season about, you know, whether he would want to be back, you know, and I think that he has, you know, that it's kind of a two way street there. You know, it's like, does the money make sense? Do the Ravens want him back? Does Odell want to stay in Baltimore? Does he want to go somewhere else? You know, I think that all of that is, is part of the equation. And it's all it, about fit and a lot of times and opportunities for these wide receivers. And it's clear that it's Rashad Bateman's time. He, he had a healthy season. They're going to rely on him in their off-season plans for what the offense is and, and, and how they assemble this offense. Rashad Bateman is a big part of that. They expect him to get a lot of targets next year, a lot more than he did this year. So, you know, now that he's proven he can stay healthy, it's time, you know, first-round pick. He's got the talent. He got open a lot. There's a lot of separation there. There's a lot of potential there. They're banking on Rashad Bateman next year. Yeah, they think that they have a really good one one-two combo with Zay Flowers and Jerashad Bateman, that those two guys, both former first-round picks, both get open, they have great separation, they run good routes, they've got good speed, that with those two guys, that like that's a great starting point. And then you have Aguilar from a depth standpoint, maybe you add in another rookie uh, in the draft. I think that like that's that's the group, that's the core that they want to move forward with. And yeah, if, if they feel like, you know, if, if, if Odell sits out there and then he feels like, hey, it would be great to come back, Maybe they work something out down the line, but I see it the same way you do. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk through some of the other big thoughts and takeaways and things we learned from today's first day at the Combine. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. 
Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. You're listening to the Ravens Lounge podcast. We're coming to you from SeatGeek Studio. We want to give a shout-out to our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook which is an official sports betting partner of the Baltimore Ravens. They've got a limited time offer running right now that you don't want to miss. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Use the promo code FLOCK. If you are a new user, you can get a deposit bonus up to $1,000. Again, the promo code is FLOCK only at DraftKings. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. You need to be at least 21 years or older and physically present in Maryland to play. So we just kind of wrapped up some of the conversation on the wide receivers, but I think the other point there with Bateman and also Adafe Owe is fifth-year option. We Nobody asked DaCosta about the fifth-year option on either of those guys. So the, the big news is that there's no update. <laughs> well, I think the news here is that uh, – they spoke. They spoke very, very highly of both players, as we just got done saying. You know, John Harbaugh said he expects a, a big things, a big breakout, uh, a big step. I think was the word for Rashad Bateman. And then Eric DeCosta was very complimentary of Adafi Owe. Said sacks aren't everything. We really grade players on pressures, and called him one of the hard work, hardest working guys. Plays with relentless effort. You know, plays like a raven. Uh, very complimentary about Adafi Owe. So it's clear that they expect big 2024 seasons from both of those players. But that's also similar to what we heard last offseason about Patrick Queen when the Ravens ultimately didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And we did get the news late last week about what those fifth-year options would cost. It would be $14.4 million for Rashad Bateman and $13.2 million for Adafi Owe. Those are on the 2025 salary caps. So this is planning for down the road. But those, but those are pretty big numbers. The Ravens have to make a decision by May 2nd whether they want to have those numbers on the 2025 salary cap. Uh, and while I think they expect big things from both those players in 2024, we didn't get a commitment. They weren't asked about it, but we also didn't get a commitment on whether that option is going to be picked up. Yeah, yeah. They're just, so everyone knows, they're going into their fourth season. So the fifth-year option, by May 2nd, they have to decide whether you pick up that option, and then that goes into play for the 2025 season. Or whether they're going to be free playing in their contract year basically exactly now it could go both ways like patrick queen he you know if they had put the fifth year option on him that probably is would have been a mm, right around the average annual salary that he's going to get this year just this is not the long-term deal basically like patrick queen's price went up 
you know, this mm-hmm. year based on how he played. On an so, average per year of what he's going to get. On an average per year. That's correct. On an average per year. But the thing about the fifth-year option is that, that that cap hit, similar to the franchise tag, just like the franchise tag, is all on that season. So you can't do any cap maneuvering with that fifth-year option or with a franchise tag. So there's risk both ways. You know, those guys, you know, they've they've had up and down moments. But, you know, I, I don't know. I Honestly, I don't know which, which way they're thinking because they weren't asked about it. You know, DeCosta wasn't asked about it. I'm sure during the pre-draft press conference, uh, which will be sometime in the in the relatively near future, that could certainly be something that comes up for them. So, yeah, the only we'll thing, the that's... only intel that we got was that they really like both those guys and expect mm-hmm. big 2024 seasons for them. Exactly. I mean, the, they are core pieces on both sides of the ball. Like the Ravens have really high expectations for them, and you really need them. Like, you know, if if this offense just to stick on Bateman for a second longer is like if this offense is going to be dynamic, well, then Rashad Bateman really needs to have a big season. I think he has to. And he didn't have to last year because the Ravens also had Odell. But I think that like if he if if this offense is going to be dynamic, then they need Bateman to have a big season. And also similarly with Oway, Clowney, free agent, Van Noy, free agent. So it, they're going to need sack production. And I think that Oway delivered on that to a good de- to a good degree this year. But I think to a to you know. To, for him to reach the potential that he has, there's definitely more will, there. There's way more in the tank for him. Oh, for there's sure, way more in the he, tank. He had this year kind of what Justin Matabike had in his year three, and then Justin Matabike, you know, had more than doubled his sack total, almost tripled his sack total in a massive year four. That's what they hope for for Dafeoa. Yeah, could I could I see a double digit sack first season for him? Yes, I could. Oh, we've been talking about that for years. I could. Like, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility at all, based on what I've seen from him. Absolutely. Uh, another point sticking on the defense, Geno Stone. Eric, Eric DaCosta uh, pretty much made clear what we've been talking about, that you'd love to have Geno back, but he's probably going elsewhere. Yeah. That's what I read from that. <laughs> That's you know, Geno <laughs> G- 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 wants to be a starter. The Ravens, Eric DaCosta said they feel like they, they feel good about their safety depth, you know, of course, they have the two starters in Kyle Hamilton and Marcus Williams returning. So Gino's not going to be uh, at least a week one starter barring injuries in Baltimore. So there's not really, it doesn't jive there. And, you know, I imagine that Gino's going to want to get paid after leading the AFC in interceptions and probably more than the Ravens are going to be able to spend on him. So that's just what it is. You know, Eric was very complimentary of him, called him, you know, arguably the best seventh round pick in team history, which he's correct the other contender zach sealer but zach but zach you know in terms of raven's career as a seventh round pick gino would take the cake i went back and looked at the list he's right he's the best um sealer was a good pick though and so really i think what you're looking at here is the ravens are rooting for gino because they like gino if gino gets a big contract elsewhere then great. The Ravens get a potential fourth or fifth round comp pick the year following for what they invested was a seventh round pick for Gino. That's just good business. And if Gino doesn't get that big deal or get a the deal he's looking for elsewhere, then hey, maybe down the line there's a reunion between he and with he and Baltimore. But I doubt that happens. I think that he gets a pretty I think he gets a good contract that he'll take elsewhere. Yeah. The other point on uh this this offseason, which is 
you know, kind of the big storyline for the Ravens over the past month is all the coaching changes. Obviously, Mike McDonald leaves and, you know, Denard Wilson leaves to become a D.C. in Tennessee and Anthony Weaver leaves to become a D.C. in Miami. And so there's there's concern. You know, you're losing all these coaches. You know, Mike McDonald, great defensive coordinator. What are you going to do? How are you going to replace him? And Harbaugh, you know, basically was like, well, I'm not sweating these 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 losses, like they're good problems to have. You're excited to see your guys get opportunities. That speaks to the level of success that the Ravens are able to deliver. Like, that's great. Mike McDonald gets an opportunity and he kind of made the point, as we've talked about on the podcast, like when he hired Mike McDonald two years ago, it's not like people were totally just, everyone was 100% on board with that. Like that was a decision at the time that was a bit controversial considering that you moved on from Wink Martindale, who was a popular guy who had had a lot of success. And so you move on from him and then you, you hire Mike McDonald, who was a one-year coordinator at the college level, hadn't called plays in the Who's NFL. The youngest defensive coordinator in the league at the and, time. Right. And you're like, oh, is this the right decision? We'll see, blah, blah, blah. Now, two years later, it's like, how are you going to replace this guy? And so so Harbaugh has John's faith. like, basically Harbaugh's like, hey, everybody chill out. I've done this before, and I did it pretty darn well. Exactly. That's basically what he's saying. And yeah. he's right. He's right. He hit it out of the park with Mike McDonald. He hit it out of the park with all of his assi- assistant, with Munkin, last offseason, and the other assistant coaches, like Chuck Smith and, and Denard Wilson. Denard Wilson was here for one year, right? And now he's now he's the defensive coordinator. So, like, what's to say the Ravens didn't, you know, they just announced four new coaches. What's to say they didn't hire a, a coordinator, a guy who's going to be a coordinator next offseason? Mm-hmm. Right or head Certainly coach, pop. yeah. So so uh, yeah. Basically, Harv's like, look, stop. Everybody, stop freaking out. I'm good at hiring people. He is <laughs> newsflash. He is and and uh, yeah. So chill out. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be okay. I also thought it was really interesting hearing him talk about the story with Nick Saban, which was you know he called Saban and they got to talking and and basically just talked about the process of finding new coaches. And, you know, Harbaugh, he's in his 15th season with the Ravens. And, you know, he's in his 60s now. And basically he's like, yeah, when you're in your 30s, you know all the the 30-year-old coaches and you get a feel for them. Saban obviously just retired. So, you know, he he went through that in his career. And and Saban had to restock basically every single year at Alabama because his coaches kept getting plucked for other college jobs or the NFL. And you, you basically just go through this cycle and, like, it's a, it's a, you have to stay on top of who the guys are that are coming up the ranks. And I just think it's like, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that conversation between Harbaugh and Saban. That would have been really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. That, I thought that was really interesting. Really interesting to hear Harbs picking the brain of another great. And, uh, look, I, I think that was already hiring is already one of John's greatest strengths of which there are many. Uh, but I think that one uh, was is near the top of the list, and it's neat to hear him reach out to somebody to get additional insight and just talk through the challenge of hiring when you're an older coach. Yeah, I thought that was a great story. So, um, yeah, it was it was fun to hear that. Now we uh, you know a little teaser here. This will be coming up later this week. We had a chance for J- John Harbaugh and Jim Harbaugh to sit down. Ooh, um, that'll be and, good. Um, and got some fun stuff with them and heard them talk about kind of coaching philosophies and hardball phrases and some fun stuff. So uh, that's going to be coming out over the course of, you know, the next week or so. And uh, just just great to get the two of them sitting down. It's, it's fun to have uh, Jim Harbaugh back in the NFL. Um, you know, Jim actually didn't do a press conference today, but I will say the last piece is Joe Ortiz did. 
Um, and so Joe talked for, on the Chargers side. Um, the part with Jim and John was its own thing, but um, it was it was you know cool to see Joe Ortiz uh, on the on the GM circuit. You know, this is a guy who we've had on the lounge many times. You know, maybe the, maybe the most the most visits on the lounge. You know, he's up there. He uh, is. He's up there, and so uh, he's a very good friend of the lounge. So it was it was good to see him. You know, and I asked him on podium, just like, what's the biggest lesson that you're taking from your time with the Ravens? Um, you know, and I think that he he talked about basic. The thing that stood out to me is the fact that it's a team. Now that's cliche, you could say, but I think that a lot of times in the NFL you have you have a rub that exists between the coaching staff and the personnel side. It's a tale as old as time, and you see that sync teams all the time, and there's power struggles and dynamics that take place, but the Ravens have con- had this consistency. And I think a big part of it is because there's, there's unity between the coaches and the personnel side. And I think that that is something that when Joe talked about the team element of it, that stood stood out to me. And I just thought it was, uh, it was interesting to hear that as he goes to a new place. I think he was talking about the unity between personnel and digital media. You know? I think it was, I think that I, was the other thing. The team, the team, the team, right? Yes. <laughs> I know, I know. I, you know, I, Joe out here at the Combine one year had us do an interview with him at like 5 o'clock in the morning, okay? So we did this interview <laughs> with him at like 5 a.m. He said that was the only availability that he had. So like we woke up at like, you know, 4 o'clock to do the interview at 5. And so I said to him, you know, just because you're a GM now, you better not take it easy on the Chargers side. You got to make him earn it. You got to make him earn it. So <laughs> got to earn that St. Elmo stake. Exactly. Baby. I don't know if he's going to do that or not, but uh, was happy for him. So, um, yeah. So it'll be, um, you know, we're also over the course of this this week, you know, for listeners out there, going to be catching up with some uh, media folks, Daniel, Jeremiah, um, other folks around here. So there's going to be a You have a one-on-one with Harbs. You yep. have a one-on-one with Harbs. We got a one-on-one with George Kikinis. Yep, that's coming. Who, who's kind of stepping into the, the uh, void left by Joe Ortiz's departure. Yeah. Uh, so those are also things to look forward to this week. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with you later this week. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.